Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. We're going to go to the Word of God. We start a brand new series today. Whether you're here in the room or online, This series is actually going to kick us out 127 days until Christmas, everybody. Not only that, it's about 80 before you start hearing Mariah Carey again. And none of you, none of you listen to her for the rest of the year, but you've got to put up with her. I think it's it's like end of, I think it's Labor Weekend now they start decorating. So, but just as we began to think about seriously this year and what a blessing it's been as as we've discussed discipleship. Remembering we're on a three-year journey about what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? Like we read a lot, hear a lot. And so we just want to kick off the series today on this start of Encounter Week. And tonight is going to be, every night this week is going to be unbelievable. If you've never made time, it's just going to be time in God's presence. If you've never done that, it's like carving out special time to God. Saying, God, take this, do something with it. Take my life, it's all about you. And want to encourage you in that. But we're going to kick off this series called Discipleship Defined. And the reason is because for a lot of people, it's a huge, huge challenge to really understand not only Bible ideas, but just kind of Jesus ideas. So I want to read the Scripture. And I want to just show you something that the Lord has been showing me just around the importance of that. So in John chapter 8, in verse 31, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples, or you are really my disciples. One translation says, truly are. So it's true about you. You're his disciple. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's read it one more time. It's not a long passage. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And say it with me. And the truth will set you free. If I had a title uh, for this message, it would be the thing you don't want but need. The thing you don't want but need. In, 2000, in the winter of 2007, I was in New Plymouth at a worship night of which I was worship leading and ministering at. And the church was pretty packed. It was a, a midweek evening. And the minister running it, who had me there worship leading and ministering and preaching, five minutes before the opening night, asked me after the prayer meeting whether I would do the offering talk. So I was worship leading I did a lot of worship leading. Good news is I still worship, so that's, um, that's pretty sweet. Not funny, obviously. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I said, and you know, it's quite interesting. It's a powerful word, but I just said yes. And I know there's a lot of books that tell you you shouldn't do stuff like that. You should have boundaries. But it's quite interesting uh, when you'd say yes to something and you let that stretch you stretch you out. And I, and I actually immediately regretted saying yes, but I said yes. Because I was thinking, well, immediately I thought, my head is not even in that space. What am I going to encourage the people with around their giving? What am I going to say? Um, I, I really didn't have much um, at all cooking because I had so many song lyrics. Well, with the five minutes prior, I'd found a scripture 
um, but not really a way into the thought at all. I got up, we started the praise song, did the, did the praise songs, did the worship songs, and then it was awesome. Then that hosting pastor got up and said, it's so great to be in New Plymouth. I want to welcome up. I'm literally taking my guitar off. I want to welcome up Pastor Graham. He's going to come and share around the offering, and I'm still drawing blanks, like completely. So I had a scripture, but I'm thinking, Lord, man, um, thank you so very much. Uh, and so I just said, it's such an honour to be in New Plymouth tonight. Isn't God good? You know, as we come around the offering, I'm reminded of an experience with my daughter, Ruby. It's 2007. One morning, Ruby, who was three, came up to me and said, Dad, I've been thanking God for you and mum. And I said, Ruby, that's so, she's just a little girl, three-year-old. I said, Ruby, that is so sweet. And I said, why are you thanking God for us? And she said, because you are both small and can fit in the shower together. Yeah, I know. And I, so anyway, I'm doing the offering talk. I'm doing the offering talk. And I, I mean, I'm having a lot of other thoughts too, which is like, okay. But I'm just thinking. Um, so I, I share that and then I link into the giving component. And um, the night actually was an awesome night and pretty powerful. And anyway, the pastor afterwards, I was staying at the same hotel as them, Right. So we're staying there and we got dropped off at the hotel. And, and anyway, the pastor, who was, a, who was older than me, said, hey, great job tonight. Um, could I give you some advice? <laughs> and again, that whole yes thing, I said, yeah. But inside I meant, absolutely not. <laughs> again, I, I just thought, I've got a terrible habit of saying yes. So I said, yeah, yeah. He said, hey, the story about the shower. You know, um, you're a really gifted Minister. Yeah. That kind of story will get you a laugh. But you need to be aware that it will also lose a certain amount of people in a room like that. For your influence to grow, you're going to have to not tell stories like that. Now, to be 100% honest, I was thinking while he was saying this, gee, well, maybe you should have asked me sooner to do the offering talk. You know, I'm just... No, I'm the only one who'd think like that? Sweet. And then I thought, well, surely it wasn't that bad. I mean, it got a reasonable response. You know, don't be so up. I'm thinking, don't be so uptight. But then there was another thought. I think it was about the fourth or fifth in a row, just to show how holy I am. You know, like the Lord starts speaking at some point, or I start listening at some point. The thought was, do I want my influence to shrink? Did God call me to ministry to what he called me to so that I could actually reduce who would be willing to hear our truth? Is that really what I want for my life? And that correction stuck with me so powerfully and to the point that you've never heard that story, most of you, unless you were here before 2007. And um, I mostly with ministering, try not to say anything that's edgy in terms of anything. I, I just think this is a great philosophy for life anyway, not just ministry, but smutty jokes, dirty jokes. There's just memes that I don't really engage with them. Because cause the thing is, right, I, I think there's one level, which is, is it good or bad? That's one level. But there's another level, which is, is it going to restrict what God can do through your life? And I just don't want to limit but that was discipleship. 
There's people who are going to disciple you in your life and it will only be one conversation that you'll ever have with them. But that's discipleship. And there'll be others that God puts in your life and it's like daily discipleship. Children, for example. Spouses. Family members. Very few people understand the concept of discipleship. Most Christians think discipleship is the course we did when we first came to know Christ. Really, honestly. Um, Even your dictionary can do better than that. Your dictionary says a disciple is a personal follower of Jesus. But it actually refers to it based on the Bible description of the 12 disciples who physically followed Jesus. It also uses a a phrase in the dictionary known as student or pupil. And um, I don't know if you had a good time at school or a bad time. For, For me, it was neither of those. It was just horrendous time. It was just utterly horrendous. Now, I love teachers. I appreciate teachers, but I just don't think they appreciated me. In my Form 2, my form two year, though, first year of intermediate, first week, teacher ducks out, started the class, kicked it all off. I'm new at intermediate. She walks in back to the room, and I was having an out-of-body experience. I was standing on her desk, and I was saying out loud, all right, guys, I'm the teacher now. You've got to listen to me. Man, my mum knew about it within 50 minutes. She got me home. She said, what are you thinking? I think it's clear I wasn't at all <laughs> thinking about anything. But it's not student or pupil of the classroom. No whiteboards, no uniforms. The only real way to understand it would be to look at the disciples actually following Jesus. It was their life that was the classroom. Not a metaphorical life, their very life. They stopped fishing and they started following him every day. They didn't even have income streams now um, guaranteed. They literally left and went and followed him wherever he went. And they would see what he did. That's discipleship. Hear what he taught. That's discipleship. He sent them out. Uh, Even at year one or two, he sent them out in pairs. Now, they weren't on bicycles or with name badges. So it was, you know. But they, they were sent out and they actually tried and successfully uh, mirrored what Jesus did. And then he continued carrying on, then he dies, he rises again, and then he gives him, his, gives him their Holy Spirit. But the classroom, all of that stuff, there's a lot going on. Warren Worsby, the great scholar, said discipleship, the real English word for us in the 19th, 20th centuries is apprenticeship. Apprenticeship would be a much better word. Come and be my apprentices. Warren Worsby said that. So you're actually in a um, cocoon. You're in an embodiment of becoming something through the process of your being with this master, this Jesus. If you think about it in the natural, that's what happens. John Mark Comer, he's a recent author. Warren Worsby, a little bit older. He, He likened it to three basic things in apprenticeship that people who are disciples, apprentices of Jesus, love to be with Jesus, love to be like Jesus, and love to do, take up that offer of what he said, to do what Jesus did. So again, to be like Jesus, to be with Jesus. So again, people just wanted to be either, either they wanted to be around him or kill him. Very, nothing much in the middle left. It just was nothing really neutral left when Jesus turned up. When Jesus turns up in your life, you're gonna, there's going to be a response or reaction. It's just, it's just going to happen. 
to be like Jesus, he's gonna deal with some of the character stuff, some of the real stuff, some of the stuff in us that actually he, he sees could limit, could restrict, could be a problem. And then, then the process will be that he'll shoot you off down a track of being what? Able to do what he did. And I wanna suggest and propose this doesn't have to take that long. This doesn't have to be a 10 year journey. This can start today. And it can remain the rest of your life if you just understand he wants you to be an apprentice. But there is nothing stopping you from actually living a life that's on fire for Jesus and filled with the power of God to make a difference in your world. There is nothing stopping you from doing that if you are his apprentice. So I know some of us might be like, yeah, cool, that's sweet. Should we wrap it up? We'll go home early. And when I'm on, definitely not. (laughs) Because (laughs) some of you know that, um, you're like, yeah, well, I'm his disciple, and, um, but I still, I don't really see it working for me. I don't really see that kind of change. I don't really see that kind of empowerment. So I wanted to share the scripture with you because in it, it has a key that just blows my mind, okay? Again, listen to it. Because I, I feel like if I can show you the promise, if I can show you what could happen, you might be like, all right, then I'm going to, I'm going to open my life up to you, Jesus, at a new kind of level. Like I'm going to let you go into some things that maybe I've never let you reach into if you could see this promise. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay, so there is, in this verse, we'll leave it up on the screen, or if we can bring it on the screen, there are levels, okay? There, there are levels to your faith. Hopefully today you're not at the same place you were a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Hopefully you're going up higher. God is doing deeper work to take you further. But in this is levels. The first level is this. To the Jews who believed Him. I sort of feel like I, I, I tread carefully, fearfully today because in no way do I want to undermine what the Scripture says, but there's a, there's a risk that I'll um, devalue it and I don't want to do that. I just want to say faith is absolutely key yeah. to the Jews who believed in Him. Who believes in Jesus here? Thank you. What is, what is belief? It's faith. Faith is a massive key. Faith is the key that brings us into the kingdom reality. What's the kingdom of God? That's His rule, His reign, His reality. The Word says that by faith, you're saved. Forgiven forever, a new nature put on you, you're now His child. It says you can be healed. By faith, you can be healed. By faith, you can actually stand in Christ's righteousness and that's your standing now before God. Right standing. By faith, we can know the power of God. Miracles. As Ruby said last Sunday, it brings us back to the heart of the Father faith. Just believing He is a good, good, good Father. Faith can give you a clean scan where cancer had previously been. Faith can bring you into a flow of provision. I said to someone before the service last week, I just felt the Spirit of God saying, hey, they said that it had been a quiet patch in their work. And something just rose up in me and I said, hey, um, because I think that could be a cyclic pattern. I've heard that before. 
I want you to do something. I want you to believe that you'll no longer go through dips and cycles within your income, but overflow. Come on, I don't, I'm not telling you how it's going to happen. I just want to tell you, start believing that you'll always have more than enough. Second right. Corinthians chapter 9, that you have more than enough for every good work. God's will for you is to not be impoverished, but to have supply. That's why his name's Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Prankster. He's not pranking you. <laughs> He's not teasing you. He's not saying, well, it can be for this person. That's faith. But guys, that's just the first level. Faith is just like a starting point for you. You just, I believe God. I'm just gonna believe God. I just believe His Word. I'm just gonna believe God. What did Jesus said? say to the Jews who believed in Him? He said, now, if you hold to my teaching, here's the next level. You are truly my apprentices. We're gonna be doing a journey here where at the end of this journey, you're gonna actually turn into something completely different. You are gonna take on not only the new nature that comes by faith, but it's gonna be embodied. See, that's the problem for a lot of us. We've grown up hearing about faith, but we've not heard about its partner, discipleship. Let me say this because it will um, maybe cause you to email me later. And again, it's jared.liebezai at annasbrook.co.nz. Always has been, always will be. <laughs> Listen to this. Only the blood of Jesus can destroy the curse. But only discipleship can build your life. Only the blood of Jesus can break the curse, destroy sickness, remove every demonic obstacle. But only decide. And so there's a lot of people who go through life and they need the miracle, get the miracle. Keep on believing for the miracle. Like I said, believe, have faith. But that is a very different way to live because instead of um, something deeper in your foundation, you keep going from need to need to miracle to miracle. And look, if you need a miracle today, we're going to pray at the end of the service. And I believe because you can do both. You can believe. But Jesus said, so to the to you who believe me, I want to show you another level of living in life. It is a level called discipleship. And if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciple. But not only this, and this is the promise I want you to see if you would open your life to being an apprentice, to being with Jesus, being like Jesus, to doing what Jesus said. This is the promise, you ready? And then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That word then is very important. It's got a timestamp on it. A lot of people think, well, if I can just hear the truth, I'm gonna be free. And maybe that will be the case out of miraculous God speaking to you. But Jesus is speaking about a freedom because he goes on in John 8, 33 to say, look, you Jews are actually bound up and locked up. You are not free because of sin. Because they said, how can you say we're not free? What he's saying here, it's the blood of Jesus that brings forgiveness but it will be discipleship for you to own and walk in that forgiveness, to bring it into your identity. You need someone along your way to keep saying you're forgiven, you're blessed. What you're doing right now is actually not the truth about your situation. What you believe right now needs to be challenged because God has more for you. So there's another level for us. And the, what's the start level? Miracles, signs, wonders, salvation, forgiveness. You can be, no one it is to be totally forgiven today. By faith, through the blood of Jesus. But there is another level for you. When you say that to Kiwis, they're like, oh, I don't know about that, but it sounds exciting. No, there is another level for you. 
There is another level. There's a whole nother realm for you. This is what it actually takes to, to walk in discipleship. It takes these qualities. More than this, but I thought I'd bring them up because they're not very trendy and they're quite difficult. It takes humility, openness, honesty. Christians don't lie, but they're not always totally truthful, are they? Okay. Teachability. Teachability. James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. Matthew 16.24, think of it like this. Jesus said to His disciples, whoever wants to be my apprentice must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. You're gonna have to actually learn how to die to yourself on some things. When people misjudge you, when people speak wrong about you, when you hear this thing, what you need to do is, come on, I wanna take you on discipleship and I want you just to deny that. Deny yourself in that. I want you to deny, you know that, that God is wanting actually to take us to a place, a whole nother level, but it, it, it requires a death. It requires a, a, a self coming into a place where you can see Jesus as greater. That's the problem, isn't it? We just, our self is so massive. We are so massive in our, in our own eyes. But there is no one greater than Jesus. And you are in safe hands if you can humble yourself, if you can open up your heart, if you can bring some honesty, some teachability. The opposite, our world system is pride. Protection. Dishonesty, not, not in blatant lies, but just in not, um, what, what, what is truth truly? It's embracing reality. Just the world not able to embrace. We've got reality TV that is not reality, guys. I haven't watched it, but I have heard the premise of it. So I wanna say again, I have not watched it. But Love Island is not about love. It, it will not bring you love. None of those couples, it, their, their relationships do not last. Why? Because their self is so massive in the, their six pack is so, they, I haven't watched it. I have not watched it. So the only thing that keeps people together is self-sacrificial love denying yourself. Preach a better message, pastor. Come on, not about denying ourselves. No, the pathway to it brings life brings freedom for you. The truth will set you free. Oh. But Graham, I do all that stuff. In fact, I'm writing a book called Humility and How I Achieved It. <laughs> but no, it's actually what we miss is the ways Christ disciples us. If you just knew the ways. So there's freedom and truth, truth and freedom. By the way, the world is hungry for truth right now. Hungry. I'll tell you the people asking me the most questions right now. Two groups of people that are, Jared and I do get very interesting questions at the gym. You know, they, they ask him, how do I become real massive like you? And they ask me, so you're obviously a priest. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the gym, <laughs> at the gym, we have, we have conversations with people who, are, who find out we're pastors and they just randomly come up to us and ask us the most crazy question. This was a great question. 
He goes, this one guy. And I just loved it. I just thought, I want to buy him a medal, a trophy, a certificate. He goes, hey, you're a pastor, eh? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, and I was doing um, extensions. So uh, anyway, um, <laughs> he goes, um, he goes, can you tell me why when I have sex with my um, a, a girl who's a Christian, why does she feel guilty and I don't? I said, let me just. I said, oh, that's easy. I said, it's because someone who's truly born again, their conscience is now awake and sensitive to God. Now, a person who does not know Christ, their conscience is what? Like the Bible said, said and does not sense anything. So there's your problem right now. You're probably actually trying to have sex with someone who is genuinely a follower of Christ and it's not going to work well for you. It was a great workout. Here's the second group of people that are asking the most questions at the moment. Here's the second group. Young people under the age of 20. They are walking around with paper Bibles. They are coming up to us and saying, hey, can you just tell us when it says this in here, what does it mean? Oh, flip, um, have you checked Wikipedia? (laughs) They're so hungry. This next generation is so humble. So open. And, and meanwhile, the world passes us by. Who's passing us by? The young people and the unsaved. <laughs> That's a weird laugh. But they're passing us by. Came out of nowhere. It might have been demonic release. They're passing. Sorry. No, no, no. Why? Why? Because as Christians, we've got to such a place that we can't even be honest in this place. We, we keep up a, 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 an appearance that if I really told you what was going on, because it was abused in the 80s. If, if someone had done something wrong, the church would get them up the front and confess it over the mic. Man, I hope my brother or sibling was on the sound desk and just mute it when I was talking. But are they or not? No. Alas, no. And so we went from one wrong way of doing it to another, which is we don't do it at all. And what does it mean? We can have faith. We can believe. You're probably even going to go to heaven. But, you're missing out on the next level of freedom and life, which is only found by holding onto His Word and being His disciple. So here are the three ways, well, I'm out of time. Three ways that we're discipled by Jesus, and there's a couple more, but these three, if you're taking notes, these are worth noting. It is by the Word of God. If you hold to my teachings, you are truly my disciples. This is essential. The Word of God has an authority on it that goes beyond any logic, any restriction, any upbringing, any broken thought pattern, and it can redirect, readdress, and it can break even the hardest of ground. Jeremiah, he said that your word, Lord God, is like a fire. It is a hammer that breaks up the rocks. So there's stuff in our nature and our character that when... Because if you, if you operate the Word of God like it was kind of done when I was very, very young in ministry, youth ministry, it's like, oh, you're meant to do this to be a Christian. So again, you've just polluted the entire thing as not an invitation by a master to come and by a Jedi to come and be walking his ways. It's not that. It, it, it's performance, religion. It's make sure you've got a devotional life. Nothing wrong with a devotional life. But in this book, There is the key to actually your apprenticeship with Jesus Christ. To unlock, every day unlock. 
unlock. Every, every morning and every night, I've got to get this in my spirit. Otherwise, I do not feel human. It's got to the point where it's like a meal and I feel like I've missed my meal. How long did it take me to get to that point? About a decade. But we chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away. Just keep coming back to the Word of God because what did He say? If you hold to my teachings, you surely are my disciples. Two, it happens as I explained in my New Plymouth story, by the people of God. Now that's the piece that I think that we miss. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, follow me as I follow Christ. There are moments in our journey where the Holy Spirit cannot disciple us one-on-one like He'd want to because we've still got stuff going on that we need to work through. He wants to be able to get us to a point where even His whisper can just bring, don't do that. And you're like, okay, I'll trust you. I might not like it or agree with it, but I'll just trust you. But the pathway to that is actually exactly what happened with Jesus, that He takes them on a journey. And I learned about finances, doing a budget, okay? I'll tell you how I learned about doing a budget. In 2005, Rebecca took care of all of our finances. By the way, if you're saying like, what's this got to do with the Bible? Jesus said, those who cannot be trusted with worldly wealth will not be trusted with heavenly wealth. And there's two dimensions to that. That's now, but that's also in eternity. My kids have been asked, we talked for half an hour about heaven on Friday night. And one of the questions was, what are we gonna be doing in eternity? And I just said, I'm not entirely sure, but I do know Jesus said that we will rule and reign with Him for eternity. So I think we've got some big projects to take care of. We've probably got some nations to help rule. We've probably got some dominions. So we need to get prepared. We have, a not, we have an Eastern philosophy around heaven where we think we're gonna be disembodied spirits floating around with harps. So you won't have any thinking. You won't have any um, kind of like function. You're very wrong. You get a resurrected body. The final chapter, by the way, in Revelation 21, 22, is that heaven will descend upon earth and fit like a glove. The final marriage of heaven and earth and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And that was what God was always wanting and that we kind of turned away from. And that is gonna be amazing. And only those who have accepted Christ's forgiveness and blood get to participate in that. But I learned about budgeting in 2005 accidentally overhearing someone else's conversation. So this is how discipleship works. I was at a, um, and funny, you know, my wife could not teach me. She would say, okay, what have you spent this week? And I would say, who do you think you are? Like, what, I, I earn money? I don't, why do I need to tell you? That was my attitude. But she was annoyed too because I went to a breakfast with these two pastors. And this one pastor said to another pastor, sounds like a joke, eh? One pastor says to the other pastor, hey, can you tell me what it means? He's a slightly older pastor than us. What it means for guys, men to take responsibility of finances in a home. So he's asking the pastor and the pastor goes, I just think it's actually men have been wired for responsibility. So it's not the nagging that we don't enjoy more than the feeling like we haven't been able to rise to be responsible. We want, men love to be respected but they need to live so they can be respected. We wanna be um, encouraged, but we need to make decisions that are encouraging. It's very quiet. So anyway, the guy says to the other guy, how does it work? And so the pastor goes, oh, that we're made for that. So it's really important if you take responsibility in your house, your house will begin to flourish. Well, he didn't even tell that guy, he didn't even tell me, he was telling the other guy, I took it, 
by the time I got home, I said to Rebecca, I'm gonna start being responsible. And she said, what? I said, I'm gonna start, can I start taking responsibility of the finances? She goes, I doubt you'll be able to do that. And fair enough, track record of chilling. But she was flipping annoyed too, because 2005, big change. And what are we, 2023? It stayed with me. One man telling another man a truth discipled my life and discipleship, the truth, unpolluted, direct and strong, under the guise of the Holy Spirit, changes you. So you've got to get in more conversations, people. You, many of you are not letting people speak into your life. In fact, you have no one speaking into your life. Do you know, with parenting, Rebecca and I were 20 and 22, and um, we were about to have, actually got married at 18 and 20. We talked when we were just about to get married about what we wanted our family to look like. That's random. I don't even, we didn't read that in a book. We just said, oh, with our kids, we want them to be good with people. We want them to know the gifts that are on their lives. We're 20 and 18 talking like this. We want them to love God and love the house of God. And, and if they, whatever they're called to, whatever it is, we want them to run in that. And so then anyway, um, the only thing we didn't discuss correctly was how many we'd have. Okay, so in hindsight, but if we'd known how awesome they are, we would have 15, you know, we're not going to. So anyway, I, I, then I thought, well, that's the goal. That's the vision, right? And it was right in our spirit. But I, need, I needed someone to disciple me. But you know, he didn't even know. But I just saw how Brent and Viv were with Jared and Crystal. It was, for me, it wasn't just the kids' behaviour and how they were with people and how they interacted with people and the way they loved the church. I watched them one-on-one with their kids and I, they don't even know it, but they discipled us to be parents. I just started emulating what they did. I didn't make an announcement. I didn't even tell them it was happening, but I just thought, I want a Jared and Crystal. I want five of those. Thank you very much. So I just see how he did it. I mean, seriously, Brent, he probably wouldn't appreciate me telling you this, but one Father's Day, I found him out here. I was worship leading, it was 2004. He was out this side here, out here. G'day guys, there's people out here. G'day. Hey, put those vapes down, okay? Put them down. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. It's Tim Gaskell, you'd know that. Anyway, um... He's standing right behind that screen, okay, Brent. And he's just standing there and he's just, and which is very odd for him. He'd normally be amongst the people and it's Father's Day and, and um, just been Jared's birthday not long before that as well, but there'd been the Saturday before. I go to Viv, is Brent all good? She goes, he is not good. I said, oh, what's happened? He goes, well, he had a massive, massive argument with Jared yesterday. That's Brent ringing now. He wants me to stop the story. (laughs) And I just, you know, I was just, um, it was pretty amazing because what he was doing was showing another dad that if you make mistakes, because you never do it perfect, then you come to the Lord Jesus. He's going to give you grace. You're going to find a way. I mean, how to pray? I was discipled on how to pray by all of you. 
this entire church taught me how to pray. My father-in-law taught me about the providence of God's grace. One time I responded to an altar call, carrying a lot of weight, carrying sin. He came up, this was before um, I was even dating Rebecca. He stood beside me and he prayed for me. I heard that prayer and he said to me these words, God just wants to say that he's proud of you. Something broke. That's discipleship. I want to tell you right now, you need people speaking into your life. And, and some of it actually needs to be a bit more organised. It doesn't have to last forever. It can last a moment. It can bring a freedom. It can bring a truth. And then the last, of course, is this. He, he, he disciples us by His Word, by His people, and by His Spirit. Peter never said anything right through the four books of the Gospels. He said one good thing. Jesus said, who people say I am? He said, you are the Christ, Son of the living God. And Jesus goes, you didn't come out without yourself, Peter. God told you that. So he didn't even get that right. But isn't it funny, for four years, he had faith, he walked on water. So he had belief cranking in his life. But for four years, Peter seems to be getting really harsh adjustment from Jesus. But why? Everything he said, Jesus like, get behind me, Satan. No, Peter, we're not doing that today. No, we're not building a temple, a, a tent. What happened at, all, at the end of it all? After he denied Jesus and just Jesus restores him, what happens? Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit falls. And who speaks up? He'd never said a right thing the entire Gospels. The Holy Spirit fell on him. Fire fell on him. And he said to people who thought the whole group was drunk, no, we are not drunk as some of you suppose. It is the promised Holy Spirit. As Joel said, He'd pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters would prophesy. There'd be a move of God that's so great. And anyone who calls on the Name of the Lord will be saved. And then what happened? 3,000 people got saved. Hey, turns out that Jesus' adjustment of Peter for four years about what He wasn't saying right was for a purpose. And the Holy Spirit when He touched that and breathed on that. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit at work in your life. You need the adjusting hand of His Word. You need Him moving you and shaping you. And then you need the breath of God because the purpose was greater than the dysfunction. And I'm gonna finish with this today. Open up your lives. Get people speak. If you're 70 here and you're like, I I can see I'm not allowed voices speaking into me. It's not too late. If you're 80 and you're like, oh, I've never got into this whole thing of people really taking me on this apprenticeship with Jesus. It's not too late. If you're in your 30s, you're married, 40s, you're married, doesn't matter. You're not too old and you are not too young. One year being discipled by Jesus and not only can your life be turned around, but this community's life can be turned around for His glory. So we say, come Holy Spirit. We say, God, bring Your Word into my life. Okay, I'm go, I've got to get myself organised. If you can't read um, books, get audio. If you can't read a lot, do a little. Every day, get that Word in you because then you are truly His disciples. Two, get the people of God around you. Whether they know it or not, whether you've made it official or not, come on, get a bit more honest, humble, open, teachable. Reject pride, arrogance, safety, that fear of, I, I can't let people speak into me. And then let the Holy Spirit breathe on you. I'm telling you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, 
No mind is even conceived. It's not even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. What's the next verse? But it has been revealed to you by the Spirit. And so I pray, Lord God, today. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet? I pray, Lord God, today that a spirit of discipleship would be released to our lives. Thank You for faith. And I thank You that we're not going backwards in faith either. We're going forwards in faith. We're gonna have a week of encounters with You, Lord God. We're gonna have miracles, signs, wonders. But I thank You for the other part that for the most part, Lord, we often ignore. Put the right people in our lives. I I just wanna pray for those three areas. Can I do that? For those of you who just feel like, I, I actually, let's get a little bit honest and a bit open and a bit humble. We'll, we'll close our eyes and I'm gonna close my eyes too. And even online today, but can everyone close your eyes? If you just like really need God to help you to understand His Word, because it is even from a reading, um, just your mind's so busy. Sometimes you read it and all it does is act like melatonin. <laughs> Um, other times you just have more questions than answers. All of that's part of it. But why don't we ask the Holy Spirit for a special grace concerning His Word so that it just pours into you and you you go to a whole, even if you don't struggle with it, but you want that, a whole nother level of God's Word. Lift your hands to the Lord. I'm gonna close my eyes. Great Holy Spirit, come. Here's a group of people wanting to engage with Your Word in a new way. Breathe, Lord, I pray. Come mightily. Lord, I pray that there would be incredible strategies and graces to opening up this Word, this words of God, and that it would build our spirits. I pray for those who have been restricted in this area, who have not ever been able to really find, Lord, a way for them, that you do something supernatural, supernatural. In Jesus' mighty Name, as your hands are lifted, believe that God will take you to a new place with His Word. Just believe it. Believe you understand it. Believe it will just light a fire in your belly. Put your hands down. Eyes closed. For those of you and you're like, I need some people, Lord, around my life who can take me even further in you. I learned how to minister by being discipled. I learned how to worship by being discipled. For years I stood, I lifted my hands, but I never entered in. And I just got sick of it one day. I was like, I'm sick of that. I wanna enter into God's presence. I don't wanna be with me as the most self-aware thing in this story. I want Him. And a freedom came on me as people help me understand it. But if, you, if you're really just saying, Lord, I need some people around me, and maybe even I'll be a person around some other person's life. Lift your hands and let's pray for it. Father, I pray right now for those with hands lifted, you know what they need in their time. You know what's going on. You know the desires of their heart. You know, Jesus, the things that you're needing to just bring strength to, correction to. Hey, don't do that, it will shrink your influence. Don't try this, it's gonna help you go further. Hey, don't worry like that. Come on, rest more in God's grace. Hey, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, so don't strive. People like that, Lord. Parents and couples and some singles in the room, you you actually need some single discipleship. How do I do this well? So Father, with our hands lifted high, I pray there'll be a revolution that you'll provide greatly right before our eyes. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Hands down, last one. For those of you who want a great outpouring of this Holy Spirit, 
who can do things in us and pinpoint things in us like never before, who knows all things. What did the whole, Jesus say? The Holy Spirit would come and teach us all things. He would guide us. He was our advocate, the parakletos, the one who comes beside. He was the wind and the fire and the life in our bones. Those of you who need the Holy Spirit in a new way, lift your hands to heaven. And I want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, thank you, Father, for Jesus who said He would baptize us in the Holy Ghost and fire. And I pray for power in my life and in my discipleship. I can't do this without You. So I need You. The life of God, the breath of God, touch me now, fill me now. I want to encounter You in Jesus' Name. Give God some praise, everybody. Let's say Amen. Amen. And I want to pray right now for those of you who do not know Jesus Christ. Jesus came to die for us to take our place on the cross. Our sin and our shame could be taken from us forever. And it is proven, this room proves it, but all around this globe, believers, followers, not people who are perfect in their own strength, but people who have confessed Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That you believe that He is Lord, that He died for your sins. And when He rose again, He rose again new. And by His grace, He puts that newness in you. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to forgive you of the old. And let me tell you today, there is no other way you can get to God. There is no other way you can have relationship with God, but by Jesus. To know that you're forgiven. More than that, to be made new. Today, I wanna pray a prayer for anyone in this room who does not know that. You've never prayed that. You've never accepted Him or received His forgiveness for your life. Just one more time with our eyes closed, heads bowed. If you're here today, you're saying, Graham, I know that I don't know God. Or, or I did know God, but I've drifted away from Him. Graham, I, I don't know what it means to know that I have, I have the assurance I'm saved, that I will be in heaven when I die with Him, that I will be saved from sin even now, to have that freedom, to have that life. And I wanna be born again. I, I'm sick of what the world offers me. It's offered me nothing but pain, but empty promises. It's left me empty and broken. I need Jesus. Jesus said, come unto me, all those who are heavy and weary, and I will give you rest for your souls. Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, rob and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. The Bible says, like Peter spoke, when the Holy Spirit came, that all we have to do is call on Him. Today, just those of you, I know I need to call on Him. I know I need Him. I know I need His forgiveness and His grace and I need His life in me. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand as high as it can go. And then we're gonna pray a prayer. And then at the end of that prayer, the Holy Spirit's gonna make people new, born again. And it's gonna be supernatural, I'm telling you, because that's what He does. So eyes closed, heads bowed. That's you today saying, Graham, I need Jesus in my life. That conscience to come alive, that heart to be made new. On the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up as high as it can go. As high as it can go. God bless you over here. God bless you over there. Yep, God bless you. Who else just saying, yep, that's me? Thank you, Lord. So awesome. I, I think actually while hands are going up, the rest of the church can put their hands together even as people are lifting their hands. So awesome. So awesome. Let, let's pray. Let's pray. Um, I just want to tell you that 
at the end of the amen, I'm going to hand over to um, Alicia, I think. And I'm going to um, just say that I'm going to just make myself today available to pray and lay hands on anybody here. Um, because maybe you just like Rebecca was saying, you just feel like there's really just light needs to come in. But I just want to, there'll be some ministry team available to do it too, but there might be just something in today that's come up or something you just needing to bring before God or just more of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I want to do that. So come on, those of you who lifted your hands and everyone all together, let's pray this prayer. This is so exciting. Come on, say, thank you, Father, for Jesus. You sent Him because you loved me to die for me, for my sin. I acknowledge my sin and I acknowledge my sinfulness, my old nature. But today, I call on the name of Jesus to be saved, healed and made whole, that I'd be forgiven and I'd be your child. Thank you for your love filling me right now. And thank you for your Holy Spirit saving me forever. In Jesus' name, walk with me, be with me for the rest of my life. Amen. Come on, let's say amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.